Good morning and welcome to KLE. This is the podcast where we are talking about building the church and we are developing, equipping, uh, speaking to kingdom leaders, leaders who are being equipped to become kingdom-minded leaders, not church-minded. We, we helping you refashion, reshape your whole perspective and not your whole perspective, but most of your perspective when it comes to leadership and leading and building the church. This is Sean in Pennsylvania, your host, and Steve is in Texas. Yahoo! Yahoo! <laughs> so great to have you again with me, Steve. Um, we are, as usual, Steve and I have already begun our discussion and uh, so we hit the record button at this point in time to say, hey, become part of our conversation. Become and now we've forgotten what we were talking about. Now we've forgotten the point. It's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's like that um, post I saw somewhere. It's like, um, it's amazing when you get older, you can, you can remember the, all the words to the 80s rock song, but when you walk into the kitchen, you forgot why you're there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So, so we we um, okay. So we hear all the introductions are done. Great to have you with us. Thank you for visiting. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for hopping on. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for giving us a review on iTunes. It'll be really great to have a a, a review. Just make it a five star, and we'll love you for it. See, <laughs> okay. And um, we we are busy talking. Steve and I are just talking right now. So Steve, you know, um, what was the point I was going to make? <laughs> uh, oh yes, Jesus um, lived in the context of an occupation by an empire in Israel, and certain words were very colloquial or, or very common. So when Jesus used the word church, ecclesia, they understood exactly what he was talking about, because he would use the word um, ecclesia as the as the called out ones. And so the Romans, what they would do is to uh, impose or, or to change a culture. They would send a governor to a, a occupied territory plus 300, at least 300 uh, citizens of the, um, of, of Rome, Rome, of the Roman empire. And so they would call out, 300 of these guys, send them to an area, to an occupied area, and they would then gather or assemble in and continually work together and begin to establish the culture of the empire in that area. And uh, <clears throat> so that is, you know, Jesus worked within, uh, there was another word, I'm trying to think of it, but I can't remember it right now, but the 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 um, the whole point was always to to go and influence the the um, the culture of that place. But Jesus knew those words would would resonate with people, so so he used certain words that people could resonate with and um, uh, and, and understand what he was talking about. You know. Right, and doesn't um, Ecclesia, uh, the double K, doesn't that mean twice called out? Basically, I mean, in simple Greek, it doesn't mean just a simple calling out. Isn't it a twice called out? Well, 
I don't know about that. But. Uh, that's, I mean, I, I remember studying that and looking that up at one point in time, and it says twice called out. And I, I got to thinking, what does it mean by twice called out? Yeah. You know, what were they, what were they twice called out of? Well, one would be Egypt or the world. Yes. The second one would be out of Babylon. Right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, but you, what are you referring to is like, um, in, in what context is that New Testament? Well, I'm just thinking about as far as even, even us, we're called out of the world, but a lot of times we, we are born into Babylon. We're born into a system. We're born into something that we think is correct. We think is, but basically it's, it's just led us to confusion and everything else. And, and now the, we're called out of that as well <laughs> to establish whatever it is Christ is doing. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, it's very confusing at first. It's very, you feel lost at first. Like we've talked about before, you know, uh, once you step out of that, that realm, you almost feel like you feel guilty at Sunday mornings cause you're not going anywhere or doing anything. And I'm not saying you don't do that. I mean that, that I'm not a big proponent of not meeting together. I'm just saying that a lot of times in that type of system that we've been in, it takes a season to where we actually step out of that and start meeting with other like-minded folks or meet with people that are uh, going the same direction um, and uh, begin to fellowship that as opposed to what we had been. So basically, uh, the church becomes a twice-called-out people. They're called out of the world but they're also called out of a system. Uh, the same thing with Christ Day. They were called out of that. They were not only called out of the world, but they were called out of a religious system yep. uh, that was that was uh, oppressing them, keeping them down, um, and uh, basically wouldn't wouldn't free them up to to be the sons and daughters of God that they're called to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what um, I'm just. Um, G- I mean, that's what Jesus said. He said. Um, uh, he's talking about the Pharisees and the and the um, and the teachers of the law, and he says uh, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they right. themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Right. Everything they do is done for men to see. So uh, yeah, they and I think at another time he says that is it you you um, you travel distances and. Um, where is that? Uh, yeah, that's in Matthew 23. Uh, that was like the watershed. Matthew 23 was like the, the, the watershed dividing of the waters for me on, on what is the difference between a religious or institutionalized or pagan leader, Gentile leader, and a kingdom leader. I studied through that and went word by word through that whole thing and really meditated on, on Matthew 23. And it was revolutionary to me, you know, Mm -hmm. and what part of that, what part of that turned your crank, so to speak? Well, I mean, if, if we're starting in, in verse one, it says, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, so he was talking not only to his close team, that he was mentoring, but he was also talking to, to the crowd that was following him. And he says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. Um, in fact, some one another translation says they take 
the seat of Moses. And, uh, and so they're sitting in the seat of the law of what God instituted at that point in time. And he said, so they've taken up this positional, positional place of, of authority, of power. And he said, so you must obey them. But he says, and, um, and do everything they tell you because it's the law at that point in time. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. And they tie oh, wow. up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. And this was, this was the, 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 the thing that began for me was, and, and it says, they make their, uh, what, how do you pronounce that word? Faculties wide and the tassels on their garments long. So in other words, they've they got to have the show. They've got to have the look. Um, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi for only what you have only one master and you're not. And are you are all and you are all brothers. That's what he said. You have only one master and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father for you have one father and he's in heaven, nor are you to be called teacher for you have one teacher, the Christ, the greatest among you will be your servant. And that's the word diakonos, um, who for uh, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And then he goes on to give the, the woes to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees calling them hypocrites, etc., and, uh, and yeah, so that, you know, as I m meditated on that, I could see the distinction Jesus was bringing. He said, listen, they've positioned themselves, they dress, they want the honor, they want to be greeted. Um, the, the, uh, the, um, <coughs> the, what's the thing? The message Bible brings it up pretty, pretty good as well. And, um, but they want to distinguish themselves and get the respect, get the greetings, being called doctor and etc., uh, etc. Et <laughs> and uh, and he's going, um, that's not to be so among you. It's like I remember when I remember when I first started a, a fellowship, uh, a church over in, um, well, it was in Washington State, and I started this little fellowship and. And um, we finally got big enough to where we had our own building and everything, and we got a sign. And I, <laughs> I remember having my name carved in the bottom of the sign, you know, passive, senior pastor Steve yes. Bissett. And then, uh, you know, I had all my all my cards done up, you know, senior pastor Steve Bissett, and and uh, you know, <laughs> as though there's 25 others or whatever. And uh, you know, I just I remember introducing myself around town, and who are you? Well, I'm I'm a pastor, Steve Bissett, yes. and it, it um, or I'm Steve Bissett, the pastor over at such and such, and, and it gave me a notoriety, I thought, you know, in my own heart, in my own mind, that was something, it made me something special, yeah. and um, the first thing when I was set down uh, by by the Lord, when he said, I'm going to, I'm going to sit you down now, I'm going to tell, I'm going to teach you how to build for me because you've built your own and not mine. Um, one of the very first things he showed me was that, that scenario, how 
how I put myself and put my name up there and put senior pastor when there is only one chief shepherd. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I hear I put my, my name as chief shepherd. And of course I was, I mean, it was my church. So, yeah. you know, what else are you going to do with that? I mean, you got to be honest about it. So, um, you know, I'm the chief shepherd and bishop here of your soul. <laughs> and, um, uh, it's just kind of it's kind of sad what we've done in that place, and uh, we've usurped the place of Christ as bride. I mean, as husband to the bride. Husband to the bride, yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, he's not he's not extremely happy whenever somebody comes in to try to take his place as husband. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the message Bible says, don't let people do that to you. In other words, don't, um, you know, they, they seem to take pleasure in watching you stagger under these loads and wouldn't think of lifting a finger to help. Their lives are perpetual fashion shows, embroidered prayer shawls one day and flowery prayers the next. They love to sit on the head table, at the head table at church dinners, basking in the most prominent positions preening in the radiance of public flattery, receiving wow. honorary degrees and call, be getting called doctor and reverend. Wow. Says, don't let people do that to you. Put you on a pedestal like that. You all have a single teacher and you are all classmates. Huh. Don't set people up as experts over your life, letting wow. them tell you what to do. Save that authority for God. Let him tell you what to do. No one else should carry the title of father. You have only one father and he's in heaven. And don't let people maneuver you into taking charge of them. There's only one life leader for you and them, Christ. Do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But mm. if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. And, and that was like, you know, that began my journey, my, my quest, my search to understand what is true leadership. What, what is leadership? Because like you, like me, I mean, I've been there as well, done the senior pastor thing, because that was the model we understood. Right, right, right. And, and then I, we got introduced to building the church, but I was still trying to build it as the senior pastor. Right. CEO, the boss, you know, it's like everybody's got to defer to me. And, you know, in the same vein, there has to be leadership. There has to be responsibility. And we're not talking about irresponsibility. I mean, so the backstop somewhere, you know, is that there's always got to be somebody that's, that takes the responsibility and is accountable. I think that's the important thing for, for what's happening. But, the the world's mindset is you sit at the head of the table, you you get titled, you get positioned, you get um, you you demand and command respect, you uh, exercise power and authority. Whereas Jesus' idea is totally different. He said nobody is superior to you spiritually, and that's you know in in Galatians it says that, and then here he says that, um, you know, you're all classmates, you're all brothers, you're all, you know, we, we have an equality when it comes to the spirit realm. But then God sets in governments, God, uh, you know, sets a visionary in place and, and we run with them. 
However, I mean, you know, the, the thing for me was that I, I saw is that how leadership or the title um, began to be a began to be a weapon of choice to, in fact, uh, secure my position, even when I'm insecure, even when I'm not confident, when I'm incompetent, when I'm not confident, uh, when I'm not, when I do not have a, a, a gravity and a sense of, of God's calling on my life, um, I can still demand people follow me, command the the respect which is what the pharisees were doing is that you walk in you you're running around on perpetual fa fashion shows um you know broidered prayer shawls flowery prayers you love to sit at the head table table of church dinners basking in the most prominent positions preening in the radiance of public flattery receiving honorary degrees you know i mean everybody wants one of those and uh, and and you know We've got to begin to move, repent of these things because right. I, think it's, I think it's in Luke chapter 21, um, Jesus said that, you know, it's the Gentiles that exercise authority and, and uh, you know, see themselves as your benefactors. Benefactor is, is somebody that is nearly like a slave ruler. A benefactor says, you do something and I will, you know, I will give you a favor for it. And right. so the, the, the whole Authority, authority that we have, the concept of authority because of leadership is totally dysfunctional. Right. So, you know, that began a real quest for me on what is true leadership because if we don't understand true leadership, then we just keep repeating the same old model over yeah. and over again. I know that, um, I know you as well as I have been in that place where we have been preening in the, in the radiance a public fat flatulence, and it's just a. <laughs> yes, it's a man thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, I I went up to speak at one point in time uh, up into a certain region, and I took my son with me. At that time, I think he was in his late twenties. He's thirty nine this year. Whew, man, makes me feel old. But anyway, um, I took him up there and. Um, um, I guess it was in his early thirties, but anyway, the, um, I remember we were talking about this same issue, uh, with a group of people and, uh, this one guy, uh, that, that had gone up with me before kept pressing me saying that you really need to have them commit to you, whether or not you are their spiritual father, you really need to get with these people and have them say it out loud, say, have them commit to you that you are their spiritual father. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I mean, they have a father, yeah. you know, I'm not going to get them to commit to that. And, and, um, in the midst of all this, in the midst of one of the meetings we were having, uh, my son said, can I, can I share something dad? And I said, sure. I mean, that's great. And he says, um, this is, this is what I see leadership is supposed to be. And he, and he held up his index finger and he said, this is, this is you or me or whoever. And he says, a lot of times we feel like as leaders, we're supposed to cover them or the situation or whatever. And so he put his other hand over that index finger. Yeah. He says, now who do you see? 
yeah. you see you see the hand. You don't see you don't see the person anymore. You see you. You see your goals. You see your visions. You still see uh, your identity. You see what it is that you want to do uh, in this person's life. You see you see you. He said, "What if? What if you?" And he turned his hand upside down and came in underneath the finger. Hmm. <laughs> and he says, "What if we were put there to undergird?" to lift up toward Christ, to, to point them toward Jesus Christ, to point them toward their master, toward their heavenly father. What if all we did was undergird them? And if they started to step out of the way, I can see them now. My, my eyes are on them. They're focused on them. And if they start to move one way or the other, I can help kind of, you know, and he moved his hand to one side and help push them back or not push them back, but kind of guide them back into the way. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's, that was probably the best visual that I'd ever seen as far as just the, uh, because, you know, he had a grasp on leadership because uh, we're not, we're not there to make sure everything goes all right. Yeah. We're not there to uh, be responsible for, for everything, you know, uh, we're there to help, help them find out who they are in Christ and help them get to who they are yes. so that they can fulfill their ministry, so they can fulfill their identity, so they can fulfill what they were called to do in Christ. That's our whole purpose. Right. And, uh, you know, as it says in Ephesians, that's, that's our whole thing. And it's just, it's, it's always been a frustration to me, but that, that illustration really helped bring that out to me uh, in, in a little bit more clarity to understand uh, our positioning or our placement. It's under, not over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's an undergirding. It's an uplifting. Um, it's a, it's a, a, a direction and guiding, not, not a forceful, um, what would you call it, commanding and Well, you see, that's the thing is if, if we, we – Control goes to when you de- when you decide and you demand a certain outcome and you you can't get that outcome. So what is right. what happens is we resort to command and control or manipulative strategies and tactics to get people to do what we want. And so now this is where the problem be- you know we leadership is not control or manipulation. It's not dictatorship. It's, um, it's about trust. It's about relationship. It's about influence. It's about inspiring people. And the, but the thing is, you see, and this is where we come down to another thing. If you go to the book of Acts, you don't find anywhere Paul telling a local church that they must have a st- strategic plan and a vision. <laughs> he never does that, you know. Right. We, but we understand that that from the from Genesis, every man has a mandate, has a mission in life that he's got to fulfill. And and so, but when we're demanding people fulfill our vision, then we're going to command and control, which which I would do if I was running a company, not command, well, I wouldn't do command and control, but if I was running a company and I've got a mission and a, a budget and a plan, a strategic plan I've got to fulfill, Yes, then I, I demand a certain, or I expect rather, I expect a certain uh, alignment with that. If it's not there, then we're going to frustrate, the culture's going to go wrong and everything else. But, um, 
but we're trying to do the same in the church. I'm the chairman CEO and this is my vision. We call it our vision, but it's not actually, it's, you know, we're not setting purpose for the church. We're not allowing people to find their place in growth and development in the body of Christ. We're not equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Right. We, we, we're trying to be, we, we're trying to be the ministry that everybody's got to fit into and we equip them to fit into us. And that's right. where the whole adage comes from. You could, you know, your vision, my vision don't work. So we've got division. Um, you know, that's what happened to me is I, I didn't even know what happened. I was, I was, serving in the church, loved the pastor, loved the church, loved the message, was was part of it from, from grassroots when it was 15 people, grew to over 3,000 people. And I was part of the youth. I was media manager. I was like involved. Suddenly, suddenly, Steve, I, I don't even understand why. I, I think I know why now, like, you know, 40 years later. But at that point in time, I had no clue. Um, I get called in one day and the pastor sits me down in front of all his pastors and he says, your vision is not my vision. We've got die vision. Um, go outside. Hey, do you have any questions? And I go, um, 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 um. what? And he says, get your check and leave. And wow. that was, that was it. That was the end of my, my thinking I was in the kingdom of God, you know, um, it, that sort of came crashing down and suddenly I, I had to, you know, re rediscover my whole relational relationship to ministry at that point in time. Right. But because was, your identity was found in that ministry or in that, yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, the senior pastor was like, you know, I saw him. I didn't understand father principles and things like that, but I saw him in that role. You know, it's like somebody that would guide me, somebody that would be, you know, that would help me to be who God's called me to be, you know, meantime, he was demanding that you be what you has to have to be to help him fulfill what his ministry is, you know, and just like, right. this is, this is senseless, you know, anyway. So I, I, yeah, it just, it just leaves you um, with, with that, that whole paradigm is wrong. You know, it's just dysfunctional. It has to change. Right. Right. Well, in fact, one Peter chapter five, Peter says this, he says, to the, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Now that that's real posturing there. I mean, he doesn't even as like the one that Jesus mentored to be the spokesperson for, for into the book of Acts calls himself a fellow elder. Right. And a witness of Christ's sufferings who also share in the glory to be revealed. And he says to the elders, he says, be shepherds, of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. I wonder if a lot of posturing is not for gain, you know? Um, and he says, verse three, not lording over, over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Right. And yeah, that, and that's, that's part of that. And I, and I just bring up a little point there. Um, he says, I'm a, I'm a fellow elder with you. I'm not the chief elder. I'm not the chief shepherd or bishop. Yes. And then he says, so that when the senior pastor appears. Yes, exactly. Or, you know, 
So when the senior pastor appears, yeah. then we'll then we'll be able to know him. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is that will we really know him? Will will these people that we're working with will they really know him when he shows up? Yeah. Because we've taken the place so long yes. that uh, the actual the actual bride of Christ reflects us rather than her husband. Well, and you see, that's the truth. Is that I mean, we're going back to what we spoke about um, last week, and you know, who's Apollos and who's Paul? You see, and, and Paul said, "He said you're acting like human." babies you just you're so carnal still in your thinking you're just acting mere human in your mindset because you're still attaching yourself to a man i'm of i'm of i'm of and he, and he goes who are these guys except you know those that serve you so that you can um so that you can believe you know that right. so that you can be so that you can so that you can grow and and um, and uh, increase in God in your trust with God, etc. I think that's for me. You know what I began to see is that I'm not the heavenly Father. I'm not Christ. I'm not the chief shepherd. If when God puts me in governmental position, then I am. And 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 but I always make sure I keep that measure in my heart that my job is to facilitate people's relationship with him, not with right. me. Right. The thing about it is, is, and to help them fulfill their calling, their purpose, their mission, right. their assignment, their mandate. If, if that is part of the purpose that God has laid on my heart, then great. Then, then, you know, is that, that that's great. Then, then we walk together and we fulfill our common purpose. But if I've got to demand and seek followers, you see, when you when you are demanding and manipulating to get followers, you are a dictator. Right. That's, that's just the bottom line. You're an imperialist. You're not a kingdom leader. You're not in Christ's mindset. You know. Right. Something you, something you and I were talking about yesterday was was at some point in time. Um, we need to start doing again what we do, which is to initiate. Yes. And it's to, it's, you can see what people are doing. You can see what they, the next step. And our job is to help initiate and then facilitate that. Yes. Uh, because a lot of times they don't know how to take the next step. It's like in sales, you know, you, you, you ask for the, you ask for the sale, you ask for the order. You, at some point in time, you have to ask for it because they don't know the next step. Yeah. And, um, and that's basically the only reason I would know the next step is because I've already had that next step or I've taken that next step maybe right. yesterday, yes. you know, so now I can at least let you know what the next step is. Yes. And um, I, I may not know all of your steps, but at least I know this next one. And and you don't have to even let them know all that stuff, but basically kind of kind of working with them to initiate, help them initiate this certain area just to give them a little nudge and then then to facilitate that. And if we can if we can keep that in mind as far as just initiate and facilitate, um, it, it helps balance. Because initiation, I mean, if you initiate a lot, I mean, you end up, 
than being a dictator. <laughs> you know, if all I do is initiate and make sure everybody follows through, I, I'm just, I become a dictator. Right. But you can help, you can help initiate some things in somebody's life just because they need that little extra um, push to learn to fly. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, um, and then facilitate their ability to fly. And uh, just like um, a lot of times in, a, in a, uh, a time when we're sitting down together with a group of guys and stuff, it says counsel is bound up in the heart of man, but a man of understanding will draw it from them. Yeah. The main thing, like in uh, Song of Solomon, it, it says that she's my sister, my spouse is a fountain shut up in a garden enclosed. So come on, north wind, and blow the south, and blow up my garden that the spices thereof may flow out, uh, because she really is a, a, an ever-flowing brook. And so I, I got to thinking about that. My, my job then is to not just teach them a bunch of stuff, but help them help that fountain of living water become unstopped again. Yes. Somehow or other, unplug it. <laughs> uh, get it flowing again. Help them help them realize, because a lot of times, you know that you know this, you've seen this before, uh, you may have taught something for 20 years, and all of a sudden, like with my son, you know, I'll say, some, I would have said something to him for, you know, 39 years now, and all of a sudden, he comes to me, like tomorrow, and goes, wow, do you know what I just figured out? <laughs> yeah. And I go, man, I've been talking to you about that for 39, but, but all of a sudden, it was his, it clicked with him, because it came out of his belly. It was something that, that had been sitting in there gelling for the last, you know, however many years until finally it formulated enough to where it was now a complete seed in and of itself to be able to reproduce after its own likeness and image in him. That's right. And then he brought it out and it made sense to him. Yeah. And even though he's been taught that, you know, a hundred million times, the fact is now it's his. He owns it. Yeah, exactly. And and so now he can grow by it. And that's where uh, when the council is bound up in the heart of man, uh, rather than telling them, giving them a formula and an order, but to draw out of them the very counsel of God, yeah. draw out of them and help them get that fountain flowing again, help them realize, hey, I am his sheep. I do hear his voice. Another, I will not follow. That's right. That's right. But you see, the thing is, the culture of oppression has right. trained us and, right. and uh, you know, conformed us to a certain way of thinking and operating that we or behaving right. that we, you know, it, it's like it's like the goldfish, you know, when you when you actually take the lid off or whatever the thing is, if you take the collar off, or, you know, it's like, okay, what do I do now? You know, it's like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, okay, dig a hole. How, how deep, you know, um, with what, what do I use? Where do I put the sand? What do I do when I'm finished? And so we, we, we don't know how to initiate. We don't know how to go into all the world. We don't know how to do it. So we need more programs, more systems, more uh, things, and we've got the vision to how, you know do it. And I, and I'm I'm reluctant for that. I I really now it's it's like for me leadership doesn't start with how many people I've got. In fact, it doesn't start with that at all. Leadership starts with me discovering the assignment, the mandate that God has for me, that I have to fulfill in the earth. And then God will add people to to that purpose that says, yes, 
we want to be part of that movement. We want to be part of, of that impact, that effect in the world. We want to bring our gift, our talent, our mandate, and add it to the purpose that God has in your life. And so now together as a team, we begin to impact the world and, and bring transformation or whatever it is that we have to do. But, but the, it's, but again, if we back off a little bit, just what you were saying about Father, I'm just reading here from the Message Bible again in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says this, he says, I'm not writing all of this. He's talking about, um, you know, Paul and Apollos thing again. And he says, um, uh, he says, I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and the effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. And, and I think that the, the summary is I, I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. Um, I, to be fathers who take the time and the effort to help you grow up. And, and you know, is that we, we've seen, I, let me backtrack. Leaders, leadership is mentoring in, in, its, in, its, in a sense in its DNA. It means that an, a mentor is not, not somebody that uh, demands, commands, uh, a mentor is somebody that facilitates growth and maturity and mentors by nature have a heart of a mom or a dad always. And, and so they always reflecting, but if we keep in mind who we represent and what we reflect, it, it just, for me, it just balances the whole thing. Always. I'm not here representing my kingdom, my ministry, my position, my title, my prosperity. I'm here to represent and reflect my father in heaven. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what I do. I'm conformed to his image, the image of Christ. And the image of Christ is to reflect and represent the heavenly father. The, the study we have to do as kingdom leaders is how are we going to reflect and represent our father into every situation that we engage in how are we going to do that what does that look like what are the principles involved that is our study if you want to study leadership if you want to study ministry that's what you need to study not how you can shout and scream and say he yay he yay hitherto forthwith and, and all the rest of it it's it's like how do you represent so that when people touch your life they understand the father when they, when they are in your presence, they are inspired to have a relationship with the Father. Other than that, we are dysfunctional. Right. The, um, the thing, Sorry, that keeps this into, <laughs> thing that keeps coming to me over and over again is, is the thing found in Exodus 18 where, where they're talking to Moses and he says, what, you, what, what the Lord wants you to do, what God wants you to do is show them the show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do yes and it's not it's not here i i'm come even though paul said follow me as i follow christ it's not 
come join my ministry. It's, 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 I'm going to find out the way wherein you must walk in the work that you must do and help you help facilitate that, help you do that, even help initiate some things in your life. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what happened to Moses in, in a particular case. Because uh, Moses had been out 40 years uh, out of Egypt. He'd been out of the world system for 40 years. And he'd been following after his father-in-law's sheep, uh, stepping in all their doo-doo, you know, for 40 years. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, God appears to him and says, okay, now's the time. I want you to lead 2 million Jews out of Egypt. And he's going, I can't, I can't do this. I, don't, I mean, last time I was there, I killed somebody. You know, I mean, I don't. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to do. And he says, what's that in your hand? And, uh, you know, and he said, well, it's a staff or whatever. And he says, throw it down on the ground. Of course, it became a serpent. And then he said, okay, now pick it up. So he picked it up by the tail and became the staff again. And, and what that little statement, what's in your hand, has helped me realize that that I'm no different spiritually than I am physically. I am, I, I am, I am that I am to, to, you know, Popeye the sailor man. I, I am who God made me to be. I'm not one thing spiritually and another thing physically or mentally or whatever else. I, I am this, I am who he created me to be. Um, for instance, naturally what I do is I'm a builder. I, I, I build with stone, uh, build water features. I build, I build things and then have water come out of them. <laughs> and so, uh, but mostly I build with stones. I interconnect them together and, and set them up to where it looks natural and uh, doesn't look forced. And, uh, uh, but I, I build, I'm, I, I see it before it even, before I even start building. And um, uh, when he said this, he says, what's that in your hand? I said, well, this is, this is what I've done for the last 30, 40 years now since I came out of being a, quote, pastor. And he says, then that's what I'm, se I'm sending you. I'm not sending some big gift or an anointing. I don't want you to try to get more anointed or more gifted or whatever else. You're not, you're not any different. I'm sending you. So what's that in your hand? What have you already been doing? What have I equipped you to do the last 40 years? You know, what have I been doing in your life the last 40 years? Well, use that. Use who you are. I'm not sending something special. You are my special gift. Yeah. I'm sending you. And so just do who you are. That's it, plain and simple. Don't try to look for some other spiritual gift or some other thing in there. If I'm a builder, I'm a builder. I mean, that's, that's how I was bent. That's how I was made. And so consequently, I do that in people's lives without even realizing I'm doing it. And a lot of the things that I do are tear up, root out, pluck up, and destroy, and then begin to build and plant. And it's not, it's not that I'm trying to be prophetic. It's not that I'm trying to do the work of a prophet. And it's not saying I am one. It's just that's, that's what's in my hand. That's what I've done most of my life, even naturally. So I see that. I see what needs to be rooted out. I see what needs to be plucked up. I see what needs to be then planted. And uh, uh, because I do the landscape design as well, along with most of that stuff. So it's not, 
this stuff is a lot more simple to me than than I've made it in the past. So in somebody's life, when they when they are put into my path, I'm not thinking, okay, now I got to root this out. I got to pluck this up. I got. I just you just start hanging out with them. You start being who you are with them, and naturally, God pulls that out of you and pulls it out of them to where you do who you are in their life because He's sending us to change Egypt. He's changing us to change the people of Israel that are coming out of the world and out of the world system. He's, he's using us. He's not using some, I'm not trying to find another anointing or another, another whatever. And I guess that's the thing too, uh, even like with you, Sean and, and me, you know, right now, what's that in our hand? What do we know to do? What is it? Who is it that we are? All we do is just be that, yep. and it's going to bring life wherever we go. I mean, it's, it's, if it becomes forced, if I'm trying to force it spiritually, I become nothing better than a Pharisee or a Sadducee. In fact, I've, I become very Sadducee. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the, and it's not fair, you see. So uh, anyway, the, uh, I'm sorry. That's that. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Man, that deserved to throw on that Oh, one. man. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the uh, the thing is, is is I'm thinking about a couple uh, young men that that I talk to periodically, and I just want to say to them this morning too: What's that in your hand? God's already prepared you, man. You're not looking for something different. You're not looking for something new or some new fresh anointing or some some the hand of God or a burning bush or anything else. He's already placed this in you. He's already been equipping you the last even 15, 20 years to do who you are. Yeah. So whenever you meet people, just do who you are because yeah. he's sending you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little joke. Steve posted on uh, a comment in the, in the Kingdom Leadership Equipping Group, and they said, "You to be is to do, to do is to be, so do be, do be, do be, do <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't take credit for that. I heard that like 40 years ago. So, <laughs> Well, 40 years ago, it's yours now, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it became a part of me now. Yeah, it's, it's yours now. It's like, hey, you know what? You, you, when you say a quote, it, it, you know, you, quote, you, you say a quote and you say, you know, this person quoted it. That's the first time. The second time you say somebody, quote, said this. Right. The third time you said, you know what I said? <laughs> Yeah. Well, actually, what I do is I just quote it so badly that nobody recognizes it from the first time. <laughs> and you, you altered the total content of it. That's right. That's right. So now it is mine. <laughs> it's definitely yours. Nobody understands. Oh, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I interrupted you. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. I was done. I was done. I was done. Done. Well, I think we are done for today. Um, it's been uh, it's been hilarious. It's been uh, it's been challenging. You know, this is uh, again to to um, everybody to the kingdom nation of kings and priests listening into this episode. You are here because God has led you here to listen to this for a reason. To listen to this conversation. To be in on. Two people that have journeyed a lot, been through a lot of experiences. We don't sit here with, 
you know, claiming to be some kind of gurus or holding some kind of title that you've got to gather to. Uh, it's just we are sharing our hearts. We are sharing what we've been through, what we've experienced with God, what we've seen, what God has revealed to us, what God has fashioned into us so that you, so you can be part of it. And the whole point is, is that somewhere along the line, something gets ignited, gets inspired. You know, your eyes are open from, from a religious mindset to actually seeing the true leadership that Jesus is calling and has called for into the earth right now. Today's title of building the church, I think, is going to be true leaders. And uh, because we really want to see that. So I, I know you are here for a specific reason. As as listener, you've, you've come to this episode or you've come to this, um, to this podcast because God is doing something in your life and you something in your heart is crying out for more insight, for more equipping, for more um, uh, for more revelation in this area. So that's what to what we know and trust that you are here for. So thank you for being with us again. Hey, don't forget to give us a share and uh, give us a good five star rating on iTunes. This is Sean and Steve, and uh, thank you for being with us on KLE, where you do not get your usual church message. Until next time, thank you for being with us, Steve. And thank you, uh, thank you. audience, for being with us as well. Have a super duper God-blessed weekend because you are powerful. You are the kings and the priests in the earth, the kingdom leaders that are making a difference. Until next time, until next week, this is Sean and Steve saying goodbye.